Have you seen the uh, the Parks and Rec episode where um, uh, where Adam Scott wants where Ben Ben Wyatt wants to get a drink and he orders a drink and then after that uh, Ron Swanson is like belay that order you know legable and need gives it to him and then and then Ben drinks it and the way he reacts he's fucked right it's kind of similar to the way you reacted just now he like he drinks it, he's like oh let's do this. Welcome to the McYap and Fry's movie podcast, proudly sponsored by GreenRoom136.com. Hello, I'm Gavin. I'm Ian. And uh, this is our first episode in a while. Yeah, where the fuck have we been? Um, well, we'll start with you. Uh, I was away for quite a while. I was in Singapore. I was doing a production of Lord of the Flies mm-hmm. uh, that went well, I suppose. <laughs> you suppose. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I it went, right? It went. Yeah. It went. Uh, but uh, it was... It was a show that was uh, targeted very much towards uh, students. Oh, yeah. So um, a lot of the uh, run had already been pre-sold to um, a whole bunch of schools. So you were doing it for the kids? Um, it, it certainly did feel like we were doing it for the kids uh, quite a few times. Um, and, you know, s- student audiences are... Um, Fickle? Lazy? Well, I would say there's no middle... Wasted? There, there's no middle ground. Like, they're either a great audience or they're a horrible audience. Mm. Uh, and we had our fair share of both. <laughs> it was a long run as well, wasn't it? It was a very long run. It was, it was actually quite a... We were working on it for quite a while. Um, and I, I, I think we did, like, about 25, 25 performances. Fuck. Something like that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was certainly feeling my age during some of it because, you know, you're, you're playing kids and it's quite a physical production and there were certain... There were certain parts where I'm just like, I'm, I'm too old for this shit. You know, I, I, I can't be doing this. <laughs> I can't be jumping around and fucking... <laughs> falling off shit. Falling off shit, shit you know. Because we had this... Um, can you tell it's raining? Oh, we're also joined this week by Malaysian weather. That's right. It's already rained once today. This is not on. You can't do it twice. I know, I know. It's the second time it's raining today. Not a good idea to shoot a movie in May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what I'm supposed to be doing next May. <laughs> Next May? Yeah, next May. Yeah. Anyway, um, so what was interesting about, about the set for this is that you had like this, there, there was like fight sequences, so actors get thrown on the floor and all that kind of stuff. So we had, we had padded floor. Yeah. We had a padded floor, and that's supposed to make sort of uh, your, your impact when you're slammed on the ground a little bit better, all right? Yeah. Okay, good. But on top of this padded floor, they put this uh, sort of um, surface. Mm-hmm. That kind of has the texture of sandpaper. Okay. To make it look like, because you know, right? Uh, you're on an island. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Lord of the Flies. These guys crash. They're on not an island. Lord of the Rings. Lord of yeah, the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yes. Um, although there were times when you, you nearly did say Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Wish we were doing Lord of the Rings instead of this shit. <laughs> um, and so they had this like sandpaperish kind of surface that was made to look like it was kind of a beachy, sort of sandy kind of thing. So we have these 
me and like uh, my my co-star who plays my twin, I played one of the twins, uh, Sam and Eric. And when we're sort of crawling, we've got this one scene where you see where we think we see the beast again. I don't know if you're familiar with it. You think you see the beast, and then we're jumping off, we're jumping off this uh, this raised platform, and then crawling on. Uh, through, through, you know, through the floor, through the jungle, and all that, and in the meantime, just ripping the shit out of our, out of our skin. It was great. It was great. And also, nice. you had like Guffier and um, you know uh, Mark Richmond and all these other actors who have these like fight sequences, and they get dragged around everywhere. So I think like Guffier had like one side of his, one side of his right side that was, you know, took took some skin off. Gosh. So so yes, and uh, to explain where I've been, that's where I've been. Did I, they drop a rock on Pigsy? No, no. In the uh, stage version, they push him off a cliff. Uh, uh, so that's all I remember from the story is the rock bouncing off him in the movie that was made in the 80s, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. Bounces off his head. 1990, I believe. 90? Was it? Wow. 1990, yeah, with a very young Balthazar Getty. Mm. Um, so as soon as you got back from that, I it, fucked off to Krabby, right? Yes, so I got back from Singapore, and then Ian went to Krabby for a holiday, and then when Ian was getting back from Krabby, I went to Busan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because my short film, Duck, uh, Duck Rice, was invited... Um, to the Busan International Short Film Festival. So I was in uh, me and... Delaying its eventual online release yet again. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so me and um, the wife were in Korea for about a week. Nice. And then when we got back, the very next day, uh, we, we reviewed um, Captain America Civil War. Was it the very next day? Well, oh, okay, two days later. Yeah. So I, I got back, I think, on a, on, a fr on a Thursday or a Friday. No, no. I got back on a Wednesday... The very next day, Thursday night, we saw uh, we saw Civil War, and then yeah. on Friday morning, we reviewed it with Uma for BFM. I think, was it the week before or before you left for Busan, I went to Singapore to go see Civil War? That's right, yes. And hang out, and well, I'd say hang out, but I was fucking well behind the security cordon from Chris Evans in yes. the press conference. And my first gig for a new place I'm writing for, which was fun. Excellent, congratulations. I sat in a press conference room, knowing not what to do. Uh, recorded the whole thing on a camera, because it was like... I can't record on my iPhone, it's going to be garbage or whatever. Mm -hmm. I availed of the media center uh, facilities and I got to see the movie two weeks before. They did a weird thing with Civil War, like it was three weeks ahead of its Malaysian release that they did reviews in the US. Yeah, yeah. Then in two weeks I saw it and then it came out here a week before the US. Mm -hmm. Very odd. So if you would like to, uh, we already did a review for Captain America Civil War with uh, BFM Radio with uh, Uma. Yep. So if you'd like to listen to our review, you can get it from the BFM website. Yeah, we already, both of us were on that one. So yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we'll link off that. Yeah, so there isn't any point in doing a, a McGavin Fry's no. review because we well, kind of... We, 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 we liked it. Yeah, we liked it. We enjoyed it. And yeah, if you're interested in what we had to say about it, just uh, download the BFM podcast. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, this week we'll do... It's been a while, so we'll probably do a couple of quick reviews. We'll do a quick review of The Jungle Book. We've both seen that. Yeah. Um, uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you're going to talk a little bit about... Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about... Part 2. That's the one. I'm going to just talk a little bit about Kung Fury, which is an old movie, but I only just recently saw it. Yeah. Uh, and um, this guy's got his finger on the pulse. That's right. That's right. And uh, the uh, the new, I mean, it's not really new. I mean, but uh, the anime that I'm currently watching, which is called Food Wars, uh, which I think you, I think everyone should watch. Uh, the, the Japanese title is uh, Shokugeki no Soma. Soma referring to the name of the lead character. But uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Cool. I mean, as far as animes go, it, it, it's one of the more recent ones. I think uh, 
the second season, I think, has only just come out. Okay. So the first season came out, I think, 2014. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk a little. I'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. Cool. So uh, yeah, yeah. News what's, wise. what's been happening? What's been? Well, I don't know what's been happening. It's been so long. I forgot to start. Take, I forgot to take notes for podcasts and shit. Well, the last time we did uh, a podcast, we reviewed Batman v uh, Superman. Superman, which I quite liked. Which I quite liked. Yes. Um, it, it, it's interesting with, with that film, um, and we're gonna do like another episode. Uh, in the f- in, in in the future, probably closer to the Suicide Squad release, probably uh, where we just sort of do a little state bit of the superhero union. We just sort of do a little bit of a recap because I do find that the the whole sort of uh, debate with with uh, Batman v Superman is a very interesting one. The way people have reacted to it. Fuck you! It sucks. It doesn't suck. <laughs> it, it's it far from sucks, and we need to talk about that because people are. We need to talk about people. Batman people and the Batman versus people Superman. are not content to just uh, not like it. Yeah. They they want people who like it to change their mind, and I do find that very fascinating. It's something it is something that's worth talking about. Yeah, but we will discuss that. Well, I mean, this is this also came up on something else recently. I was listening to a video game podcast talking about how it's like this is a single player game that's online, so therefore you must join the jihad against it, like without playing <laughs> it, because it's you don't need to be online if you're playing on your own. So yeah. why is it online? Yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think this is a bigger part of cultural conversations that are going on at the moment whereas I mean you were quite happy with Batman vs Superman I was physically angry when I left the cinema but I'm over it no I mean I'm not holding on to that now you know you see the thing is is like uh, to say that I was happy with it that's why that's why I want to do um, a separate show on the balance because I do not it's not one of those things where it's like oh you hated it and I loved it yeah no it's 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 not about that it's more along the lines of like okay what you could see past its flaws and I couldn't yes but like and I didn't enjoy it and I thought it was dog shit and you're Fool for liking it. See, no. see, this, is, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. It's, it, no, it, it, I've moved on. I've moved on. My therapist says it's okay as long as you just don't I've, bring it up the whole I've, time. I've, just I've, don't talk about Aquaman. I've moved up. I've moved on too. I mean, like it's 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 over. I mean, like the movie has made enough money to justify yeah uh, continuing the uh, the DC cinematic universe. Yeah. So nobody really gives a shit in in that regard. I mean, the movies are still going to be made. Uh, but what is, what is interesting to sort of take note is how they've kind of they, they they keep re they keep upping Ben Affleck's um, involvement involvement with it. And you know, just sort of trying to put myself in Zack Schneider's shoes. <laughs> that's gotta make for a little bit of uh, tension on the Justice League set. Because, yeah. <laughs> um all right. Uh, shortly after um, Everyone ba- sang the praises of Affleck. Yes. Um, and this, I think, um, when this was at CinemaCon, I believe, yeah, uh, where uh, Kevin um, Ishihara or F- Fujihara, whatever his name, they got the the, C- the CEO of Warner Brothers basically came out and um, announced how happy they were with um, the outcome of Batman v Superman. I, I, I'm guessing they were talking more in terms of box office, yeah, um, and that the, uh, the Scrooge McDuck. The, 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 vault worth of money yes, that they now yes, have. Yes, yes, And the uh, DC... Cine- I mean, it, it says a lot that a movie that has taken in about... that's probably going to cap off cap off at about 350, 360 million is being uh, talked about like it's some kind of disappointment. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... That's that's blockbuster money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of, regardless of how you choose to slice it. Absolutely. So, so yeah, they came on and uh, just... Uh, basically said that this is, uh, you know, we're not stopping. The DC Cinematic Universe is going full steam ahead. Uh, ben Affleck and uh, Amy Adams were brought on stage to further just sort of hammer that point home. 
And then it was also announced that uh, Ben Affleck was um, indeed working on a solo Batman movie. And it was that, confirmed. There have been rumors for a long yes, time. Yes, yes, there have been rumors for a long time, but it was confirmed. And that, uh, he, of course, he'll be playing Batman, writing and also directing. He's writing with Jeff Johns. He's also playing all the other characters, scoring the music and doing all the special effects himself. He's also learning how to cook so he can do the catering. <laughs> um, and, and after that, it was reported that um, Ben Affleck has complete creative control over the Batman movie. Yeah. That uh, if, if it sucks, it's entirely his fault. Exactly. Um, however, it's great. Everyone will be like, well, we were right all along. Yeah. Um, very, very ironic, considering how everyone reacted to his casting in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But after that, <laughs> so, so it's been a little while like, to catch up on. After that, very recently, actually, I think this is probably like within the last, uh, what, two or three days, that um, it was announced that Ben Affleck, in addition to um, uh, writing, producing, directing, and starring in the new the Batman. Batman movie. The Batman, right? The, the Batman or well, whatever. Um, he is... He's been upgraded to executive producer on the Justice League movie. Oh. And uh, did you hear about this? No. He's been upgraded to executive producer on uh, Justice League. And according to the report, which was in uh, Hollywood Reporter, I think, um, his role as executive producer will entail um, re retooling the script with Chris Terrio. Mm-hmm. And with, Holding Zack Snyder's chain. And uh, he will have a creative say in the post-production process. Whoa. Needs more cowbells. So, I mean, it's just like... I mean, I don't think this is necessarily bad news. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, but they're just kind of... They seem to be piling an awful lot on him. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... I, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, it's... As, as a, I mean, I, I'm a fan. Mm. I thought he did a, a great job. I know. Um, it was almost as good as his role as Fashionable Male in Mallrats. That asshole from Fashionable Male in Mallrats. And he was brilliant in Mallrats. Yes. Um, Career peak. And, you know, I mean, there's no denying his directing chops. There's no denying his writing chops. Yeah. But it's just like, at the same time... Are they setting him for a fall? Possibly. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's, it's bad. My, 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 my concern is more like... That's got to... I mean, you're trying to tell me that Zack Snyder's cool with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because regardless of what you think of the job he did on Batman v Superman, I mean, I... I, I, I'm a fan of Zack Snyder's work. I, I like 300. I like Watchmen. Mm. I like Dawn of the Dead. You know, I mean, like, Sucker Punch, weak, yeah. thin, paper thin, yeah. but, but beautiful. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I liked Man of Steel. Like, Batman v Superman, yes, there are issues, but I didn't think it was anywhere near the train wreck that people made it out to be. Yeah. So I got no issues with Zack Snyder, like, uh, t directing a Justice League movie. Yeah. I would like him to have a little bit of help. On some elements, but I think that... Well, I still, it, I well, it looks like you've got your wish. Yeah. <laughs> looks like he's getting more than help. Yeah. Looks like he's getting a fucking babysitter. <laughs> he's being babysitted by the goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, what, the stories where the Affleck was writing parts of a script in his Batman suit? Yes, yes. So is, this, I, is, I, is, I is saw... he going to executive produce? Is he going to sit beside Zack in his, in his fucking Batman suit? Like, need, what are you doing? You need a, you need a two shot. <laughs> Get the coverage. <laughs> you know... The sound on that was garbage. I so I would give anything for a behind-the-scenes picture of Affleck in the suit, sitting down at Video Village on, on a laptop, <laughs> just I hammering think. out scenes. Yeah, with with Zack Snyder standing behind him, biting his nails, and, and, <laughs> I, and an intern giving him a Starbucks coffee. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Congo? Yeah. Is it from the Congo? This better not be soy. Then I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just turning into the college humor Batman, right? Yeah. Well. 
that is the Batman that, that the new generation hears when they close their eyes. Exactly. You know, stand, ask a 17-year-old what they think of Neil Adams' Batman, and they'll just fucking laugh at you. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Neil Adams West? What? <laughs> so, I mean, I was very... Um, like, finding out that Ben Affleck is going to write and direct a new Batman movie, I'm a happy camper. Yeah. I thought that was great news. Yeah. <laughs> Finding out he's been elevated to executive producer on Justice League and well, he's they, well, they do hand out, to be honest, like, you know, they do hand out executive producer credits like candy sometimes in Hollywood. No, 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 no. Being given an executive producer credit is one thing. Yeah. Being given an executive producer credit where you are also one of the principal actors, you, you, were, yes, you, yeah, were, yeah. you were not supposed to be an executive producer before then. This coming off the announcement that you've been given the keys to easily one of Gotham. their... Gotham, giving you the keys to Gotham. Easily at Warner Brothers, uh, uh, as far as comic book properties go, the most valuable franchise. Yeah. And, and then you say that he's going to have a say in post-production and that he's going to help Chris Terrio with the script? Yeah. The fuck, man? I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying sucks to be Zack Snyder right yeah. now. But the thing is, he doesn't have an Oscar. Does that wait? Does Ben? Ben has an Oscar for writing. He's got two Oscars. He's got two. One for writing on... One for writing writing. Goodwill and one for producing Argo. Argo. Yeah, yeah, producing. He, didn't, he got, he got, yeah, he got, he got, he got snubbed on the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, on the director. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I think that's Oscar speak, man. That's a, that's a, that's a Hollywood thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, as as much money as uh, Batman v Superman has made, it hasn't made as much money as Deadpool. Yeah. Um, Deadpool is now officially the highest grossing R-rated movie ever. Yeah. And. Um, and, uh, and, and and it's I mean it's return on investment is ridiculous. It cost sixty million, right? Yeah, it was uh, 50, 60 million? Yeah, something like that. I I heard it was even less actually. Yeah. But um, and of course the sequel has been fast tracked. Yeah. And um, as soon as you know, with all of the money that Deadpool was making, the the main thing that was on everyone's mind was like, when are we going to get more R-rated comic book movies? Yeah. Um, because personally, band, I mean, bandwagon jumping wasn't it? There was I mean it's again it's a month month about two months ago now, right? There was. Um, James Gunn, director yes, of Guardians yes. of the Galaxy tour. Someone had been interviewed by Collider, and uh, it was one of these. It was a stere- literally they walked out of Central Casting, stereotypical, no nothing studio executive who said, "Oh, it's Marvel poking fun at itself. Marvel never do that." And um, look forward to a whole load of Marvel making fun of itself movies, which was if you obviously hadn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously completely clueless. Yeah. And this is the worry now is that you're going to get just a whole bunch of R-rated movies, R-rated jokey movies that don't yeah. need to be. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean. And uh, Kevin Kevin Feige also uh, weighed in on the uh, subject quite recently, I think just like a day or two ago, where he was saying it's like Deadpool didn't do well because it was rated R. Yes. It did well because it was it fucking underst- funny. Because it understood the exactly material. what yeah. that character was yeah. and just and ran with that. They yeah. got it. Yeah. And that's why it made a shitload of money. It had nothing to do with like, oh, it's it's rated R and that's yeah. why. Um, so there is that I mean, we, fear. we saw it. Did you see it in Singapore or here? You saw it here, right? You didn't see it. I, I didn't see it in Singapore. I saw it here. Yeah. So you didn't see the pegging scene? No, I didn't see the pegging scene. looking forward scene. to that now. It's on DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you see the ad for the Blu-ray? I heard that um, uh, Deadpool took over iTunes. Well... Like every poster had him on it. There was that, but also uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, Tim Miller, the director, and... Uh, 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 the Paul and Reese, whatever the name, the writers' names, they yeah. all they all got back together. The real heroes. Yes, the re- the real heroes. All the whole team got back together to shoot this um, public service announcement that was meant for um, the release of the Blu-ray. Oh. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's funny. 
because one of the things was like, like he was interviewed at Google was and he was Paul saying how Wer- is it Paul Wernick and Reese Wernick or something like that I, I could believe. I could be wrong I could be wrong I think he was interviewed at like a the Google, writers of Zombieland a Google event and he was talking about like oh we've got loads of that shit left because yeah. they, they were doing some in the living room with TJ Miller yeah when TJ Miller was asking questions from fans did you see those ones oh no I didn't see those ones those ones were like I think Deadpool was always on like they would ask like what do I do with my girlfriend and Deadpool would explain how to how to dispose of a dead body mm-hmm. he was doing it like the wrong way around there were some fun ones there but yeah I mean. Check out that ad. But uh, just um, why, I, why I brought that up, the whole thing about uh, comic book movies being rated R, it is now confirmed that Wolverine 3 yeah. is going to be rated R. Now, now I mean, that, no, no, that, that's, that's one uh, property that I think actually could benefit yeah. from being rated R. Now, we still don't know. It's, it's when the next X-Men movie gets rated R that I'm going to start being worried. Yeah, when the fucking <laughs> Power Pack comes out and it's rated R. There you go. Or, you know, fucking... You know what? Fuck the, it. The Fantastic Four fuck it, rated the, R. Fuck it. The next, the next Superman standalone movie is going to be rated R. Because Superman's be just had enough. Yeah. It's going to be Injustice. <laughs> Which, you know, if you bring up Injustice, then you know, also you need to give credit to Batman v Superman. Why? Because... I don't like Injustice. Because they took the Injustice plotline. Yeah. And, of all the ones to take. Uh, anywho. <laughs> um, you it, got something against prequels to games? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm really looking forward to Marvel vs. Capcom, the movie, where it's just people wailing on each other. You would so, you would so pay. <laughs> you would so pay to watch that piece of to shit. To watch like Wolverine fight Galactus, but only the t- like Galactus's hand fits on the screen, and actually Wolverine just moves left to right the whole time. You would so fucking pay to watch that Come movie. You, you <laughs> talk as much. If shit he's as wearing you want. the fucking black and yellow <laughs> shit, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine though is one that's going to that you can see that fit. I can't find anything. I was doing some research over the weekend. I can't find out whether Mark Wade, Mark Ma- Wade, Mark, Mark Miller, Mick Mark, Miller, Ma- Mark Miller is Mark still Miller. Fox consultant, Marvel consultant to Fox. Because there was a lot of talk about him being. Remember, if, remember he, his, if he is, if he is, it would make sense, like the, for Wolverine to go into rated R yeah. territory. Because I mean, if Mark Millar is incapable of writing anything PG these days. Yeah, but from what, looking over stuff, do you remember when this was announced that he was going to be like the Kevin Feige for Fox? Yes, yes, and. Uh, Fantastic Four kind of proved that um, he's dog shit. He's not really uh, he's not saying fun. much. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, it's it's hard to know because it's like they're so different. That and Deadpool is an outlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Wolverine was pretty fucking good. I enjoyed the Wolverine. I, I mean, it was great. I mean, by, the, I mean, by the time you get to the end and and you got like the Silver Samurai who kind of looks like a little bit like a Transformer reject. Yeah. I mean, if you I, you know you can you can nitpick that if you want, but I still enjoyed it. Like uh, that was great. You know, I mean, Mangold was fantastic, and I was like. I was pissed at the extra scenes we didn't get because stuff in the trailer like yeah. Porcupine Wolverine with all the fucking arrows in his back and chains. Yeah, yeah. No, that I mean, I, I thought I thought that uh, that the Wolverine was a really cool Wolverine story. Yeah. Um, and you know, despite the sort of like descending into your regular CGI fight fest at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was still a well done CGI fight fest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really liked the time that it took leading up to that with the character development. You really got a sense of. Um, you know, Wolverine so, on holiday in Tokyo. No, but I mean, like, if for people who are familiar with the character, you know that that's a huge uh, yeah. part of his of his of his background. Yeah. The time that he spent in in Japan. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking, but for, I'm looking said, forward to it. Have they said anything about it's not? Is it is it going to be an old man Logan thing? Or yeah, they've pretty much confirmed it. No, they confirmed it. Then. Yeah, yeah. So the old man Logan is one of the alternate future timelines. Again, having to research an article on the apocalypse, you just realize how fuck the X Men were like. I mean, considering how I'm sure there's plenty of our listeners, you know, you know the X Men from the 2000s movie on. 
Mm. But back in the 80, early 80s and 70s, they were doing like, they were going through time and space all the fucking time. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I, my earliest uh, sort of memory of getting into the, the X-Men was during The Brood. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine was uh, someone gave me the essential Dark Phoenix saga. Oh, right, right, yeah. I, I mean, I discovered the Dark Phoenix saga later. Ah. Like, I, I started reading X-Men roughly around, yeah, like, the, the, the Brood saga. Like, the, you know, uh, I can't remember what issue it was, but the cut... Because the, 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 the Brood is basically X-Men meets Aliens. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And, like, one of the most iconic, like, covers of that era is uh, Wolverine on his knees. He's like that, and his mouth is... Pulling like, open like, with a thing yeah, inside yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the Brood incubate inside you. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that was my sort of intro to uh, X-Men, and then I discovered, like, the more popular stuff, uh, the more sort of seminal storylines later. Because um, I think the next big storyline after the Brood Saga was Inferno. Which one, I, don't know. I think at that point it already with Mr. Sin- With Mr. Sinister. Yeah, I think I dropped away, because Mr. Sinister is one of the worst design comics characters well, of all Mr. time. Well, Mr. Sinister basically looks like Colossus's evil ex-brother, or evil brother. Yeah, but with, like, with, with, like... Kiss band yeah, yeah. style, like rock. I know, but it was the style. It was the <laughs> I know, style. I know. Again, I'm doing this, doing this article on like the many looks of Apocalypse and things. Like, I was like, when Apocalypse first t- turns up, he's normal sized, um, and I was thinking, oh, that's weird. And also, his face is incredibly weird. Like, it's, it's, it's weirdly great. expressive. It's but then you look at Jean Grey and Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And they ain't looking in great shapes either back in 1986. No. <laughs> what what's, what I find really cool about uh, going back and reading old comics is is that uh, comics looked the most 80s in the early 90s. Yes. In the early 90s, like 91, 92, when Todd McFarlane was really like just making fuck you money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you, you look at, you fucking look at Mary Jane Parker in, um, in, in like the very, very first, uh, like the Mary f- Jane Cumface. That's right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, she's basically Mary Jane Wet Dream. She's like always bending over and shit and wearing... Ridiculous. Just just look at Peter Par- Look at Peter and Mary Jane in 1990 and 91. Look at this shit. And <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No, they were everything as yeah. ridiculous. And it's, it's one thing I'm looking forward to. There's a shot that was leaked on Reddit, but they've kind of taken it down now. Of, it looks like a shot from the end of the X-Men movie. Right. Of X-Men Apocalypse. Right. And everyone's wearing what looks like... Like Cyclops has the yellow belt across his chest thing going on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like it looks very much like the... Um, not the original X-Men, because the original X-Men was the black and gold shit, but like the second level X-Men shit. Yeah. Costumes are crazy. But that's one thing you realize as well. You're saying that, but things were 80s and the 90s. Looking at comics now, it's amazing how... I hate to say the standards of art. It's a different aesthetic now. Yeah. But like... For people saying, you know, the market for comics now is less than it was back then. Back then, they were kind of scrimping on a lot of things. Like, when you look at four-panel printing and all this kind of stuff. Like, a lot of the artwork now is a lot more expressive. And yes. you can get yes. a lot more out of it. Yeah. Whereas some of the... Like, there's a shot that I was looking back at one of the X-Factor comics. And I'm not 100% sure what exactly is happening. Because it hasn't really explained what Pocket's powers are. The- but someone's firing something and there's a hole in the middle of them. And it's one tiny panel. And it's like, forget about it. Move on. I only, The only reason I read X-Factor was because of some stupid fucking naive thing that is like... It's the original X-Men. It's the original X-Men. Yeah. Aside from that, there was nothing really to recommend it. No. I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, like, I, I've always been a big Cyclops fan. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always been a huge fan of Cyclops. I was so pissed with the way uh, James Marsden was just... Fucked in the ass. Fucked in the ass. Uh, fucked with, in the... So he was fucked in the lake. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, like, if you're familiar with the comics, you know that Cyclops is a badass. He's the core of the team. He's the core of the team. He's, 
And and if Cyclops and Wolverine ever fought, it would be a crazy ass fight. Yeah. But that you never got that impression just sort of uh, watching the movies. I'm kind of hoping that they that they, they they reboot the character nicely in Apocalypse. Yeah. Because I like Ty Sheridan. I thought he was amazing in Joe. Uh, the movie with Nicolas Cage. I thought he was really, really good in that. Oh, okay. And um, also, I'm excited to see him because uh, he's been confirmed as the lead in Ready Player One. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause, uh, he's cause, playing Parsibad. Because I find, I mean, I, I know, I hate, I love, I love the fact like Star Trek, Star Wars, all that kind of shit. When someone talks about like, you know, when people talk about they don't want to work with a mask or something like that, but you, you come across an actor who really works with the mask. Yeah. I am finding the fact that Ty Sheridan, all I'm seeing is the glasses. Like I'm not, I can't even, I don't even know what he looks like without the glasses on, with the, the, the cyclops glasses at the moment. He's, a, I mean, he's he's an interesting looking guy. You know, I mean, he's got a very unique kind of look. I mean, I think it'll work uh, really well as um, as Parsifal actually in, in Ready Player One. Okay. And also, um, you know, because the, the the casting for that has uh, been shaping up quite a bit. Like yeah, uh, they didn't get Willy Wonka. Like uh, Mark, yeah, Mark Rylance is. Uh, Mark Rylance, the BFG now is uh, yeah. is. Um, the guy who creates the game world. Yes. It's like James. James something. James. That's his name. James. Yeah. Uh, and his old friend is being played by Simon Pegg. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. His old... Simon Pegg, man. That fucker. <laughs> you know what? I was looking for a gif of uh, Tim and Daisy when... Um, what's her name upstairs? Spaced? Um... Oh! All right, Tim. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for the gif of the two of them where they go, "You can have the apartment," and they go like, "You know their faces." And I just spent Marsha, Marsha, Marsha Klein. I just ended up watching oh, like fuck an, I just ended up looking at an hour of gifs of space. Did you uh, did, did you uh, hear the review uh, the Mark Commode's review of the Martian? Yeah. And where uh, where Simon Mayo is like, you know, so basically what we have here, and Simon Mayo comes in with Watney's Red Planet. Watney's what? Watney's Red Planet. Yeah. Which is like, uh, you know, I remember like, uh, it was like what Watney's Red Ales, it was, it was like oh. from, from years ago. Yeah. And Mark Camo just spent like the next five minutes of the review just so annoyed <laughs> <laughs> that Simon Mayo came up with this. And it's like, oh, 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 did you just think it? No, no, I thought about it a while back. I thought I'm going to use that. I'm going to be cross for the entire interview. That is the template for us. We're working towards Mark Camo and Simon Mayo. <laughs> Unfortunately, we neither of us is like uh, mainstream appeal. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're due a space rewatch. I, I would certainly say so. I would say so. Um, yeah, we're just going to be all over the place because again, I my new notes, um, my notes broke. My the, the where I get my notes from um, exploded. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they um, online exploded, so uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, what else we had. We had some cool trailers that came up recently. Um, one again, it, since we last been on that magnificent uh, seven trailer. Yes. We just watched it. We rewatched it just to re refresh our minds. There, what so a cast! Out. What a cast. And it looks fun. It looks very fun. Like, it looks like the kind of fun that people aim for so often and miss by what so wide a mark. Well, I think what I really appreciate about it is that, is that it seems to understand that the first film cannot be duplicated and yeah. it's not trying to duplicate the first film. Also, the first film was a rip-off to Seven Simon. Yes, exactly. But a lot of <laughs> Americans don't think about that. Yes. Um, and, you know, I mean, the first movie was a classic, but this movie looks like it just wants to be fun. Yeah. And that's something that I really appreciate. And again, like, you know, there's no fault. I mean, Antoine Foucault, I mean, like, when he, when he... When, when he hits, he hits. When he hits, he hits it really well. Yeah. I mean, I love Training Day. 
Um, I even enjoyed, you know, fucking Tears of the Sun. You know, like, I even enjoyed um, The Replacement Killers, like, his, his debut. You know, I, en- I enjoyed his movies. What? The Replacement Killers with... Uh, Chai and Fat. And Mina Sovino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his first movie. His, Jesus. His first movie as a director. We were told repeatedly not to take that out of the video store by the guy in the video store. Our local video store said, so like, no, 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 you want to watch Mallrats today. You're hungover. This will do you better. Look, I mean, it's not a... I mean, basically, if, if you think about the classic Chai Yun-Fat movies, yeah. it can't hold a candle to it. No. But... As just a training days, mate. But just as a stylistic piece of, um, you know, like Hong Kong homage. Fuck, he did the King Arthur with. Um... With Clive Owen, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, uh, he, I also enjoyed Brooklyn's Finest. I mean, I thought Brooklyn's Finest was a, was a really good movie. I haven't seen Olympus Has Fallen, but I hear it's a really fun guilty pleasure. Yeah, we keep I keep avoiding that on all of those. Like I've not seen any of those Olympus, like Camelot, whatever. Yeah. Is down, is fallen thingies. Because I, I know that originally uh, David Ayer was supposed to direct Magnificent Seven. Oh, right. And um, he went to do. Uh, you know, he went and did Suicide Squad instead. Um, but come on, man. Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, just seeing Ethan Hawke in there is like, yeah. I mean, Ethan Hawke is just like solid. Yeah. You, you see Ethan Hawke in a movie is like, how bad can it be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, because he's just solid. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I'm, I can't wait for this movie. <clears throat> Have you heard of this uh, documentary called Tickled? No. It's, uh, the, the trailer is out. It's a really, really interesting trailer. Also starring um, Traffic. Indeed, yeah. Huh? Traffic. Yes, yes. also starring Traffic. Um, and it's a documentary basically about this, uh, this New Zealand reporter who just goes looking for weird shit to report on. And he finds this, um, this website... Where that uh, encourage people to sign on to become part of a team of um, professional um, endurance uh, t- tickling endurance. So like you have like really? these, you have these uh, co- competitions to yeah. see who can like the, it's Hold like a, it's like an act, like an actual team sport of people who can go out the longest without laughing. And so because he sees this, he's like, wow, this sounds pretty cool. So he writes to them like, can I interview you guys? Yeah. And they reply back going like, we have no interest to be interviewed by some gay Kiwi fucking reporter, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, they, they get really hostile to him. Wow. And so because of this, because he's a, a reporter, uh, when, 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 they sent, when they send him this message, that just piques his curiosity. And he... Why are they so aggro? Why are they so aggro? And he starts to look into it and to interview people who have done it before. And in the process, what what uh, starts off as something fairly amusing, fairly you know, you think you're watching some very humorous kind of documentary, it takes a left turn and uncovers something else wow. that is way more serious and way more sinister. What's that called? Tickled. Tickled. Yeah, it's a documentary. Um, and very interesting. It's it's the 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 trailer is very very interesting. Actually, it's been so long since we did a podcast. Why did you think of the Rogue One trailer? Oh, <laughs> it's been so long. I thought it was good. Just good. Yeah, just good. I was well tickled. I I was not like because uh, I I knew it had come out because yeah. I, I, this was while uh, Lord of the Flies was going on and I and I remember like uh, before leaving the house I was like oh new trailers up I'll, yeah. I'll watch it when I get back uh-huh. and between then and me coming home I had about three or four people come up to me as like did you see it you seen Rogue One yeah. it looks so fucking good it looks so fucking good. So, you know, which is, which is really the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, you especially, you hate that. You know, and like, I watched it, and I was like, yeah, it's a good teaser. Yeah. But now you were all bigged up. If you'd watched it that morning, you would have been like, oh. No, I mean, like, I think it's a good teaser. Yeah. I, you see, the, the whole thing about it is like, 
based on that trailer, if I if I had to just sort of make any kind of real decision, based on that trailer, it looks like it's going to be a really good film. Yeah. However, I what I find very interesting about it is that are people going to realize the timeline? Oh, they're going to be more. I mean, you know, I, I, um, I think you know, Leon already put up the things like. Here's where it is. You know, there's a graphic. You put no, up. no, no. I know that. I mean, like, you know that. I know that. No bothans died for this fucking information. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and, and I just... There's a part of me that's very curious about this movie's commercial prospects. Mm. Um, but and, I mean... And as far as... The, you know, not, I mean, like, just looking at the trailer, it's a solid trailer. Yeah, that moment where the, the, the klaxon, the, Empire, the Imperial, Imperial klaxon comes on, someone was telling me about... Yes, but, I mean... That's, that's for nerds and geeks. Yes. Freaks and geeks. Um, but what someone was telling me like oh did you know that noise in the middle that's from like the original movies I just like just looked at them for five minutes like really fuck really mm. no I mean like, I, I just kind of look at it going oh so funny yeah now now got now got Chinese characters yeah, yeah. now got Japanese characters got Mexican characters um, Star I, it's, it's, it's where, Star, where it's, we're it, all it's you know, Star like, Wars ethnicity one yeah They're the one with ethnicity but taking place during the timeline of the Star Wars universe in which the galaxy was populated by white people. And Lando Calrissian. And Lando Calrissian. Yeah. So, so, whatever the fuck so, Yen Num was. <laughs> so, so I kind of, you know, he's... <laughs> he's got big ears, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, so I did find it amusing on that level. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of them, like, just fucking running full pelt across a beach with Atlas. Yes. I mean, there's nice imagery in there. It's I nice imagery. I don't know imagery. what the fuck is going on with, um, what's the actress's name? Felicity uh, Jones. Felicity Jones, yes. Yeah, in like samurai fucking I tie fighter gear. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it looks Who, cool. That dude in the white cape looks yep. fucking cool. Uh, that's Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, um, walking through the river because you don't give no shits about his cape. The chick, the chick that uh, they got to play the younger version of Mon Mothma. Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. It's on point. She's Irish. Yeah, <laughs> she's actually Irish. Is she? Well, it's, then she it's, must be good. It's Mon O Mothma. So I mean no no I I thought it was a good I'm intrigued I'm intrigued I'm intrigued it, 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 they have plenty of room to work within um you know the framework they have and no, again again I, I mean I've been intrigued from day one yeah um, I'm looking forward to the movie I mean I also follow you know I mean you know, when, I follow when it comes Gary to the on Twitter so speaking he came up with the name apparently oh, Gary would oh, Gary would have worked with Mel, uh, not Mel Smith Will Smith on After Earth but he yes. guests on a tech podcast into a lot so when he was talking about getting a job he was fucking well like he's a total fucking like. Yeah, I'm going to go to see Luke's film today and I will not be tweeting anymore for the next six months until I finish the script. He worked on some of it, apparently he came up with the name and stuff, which is pretty cool. No, um, it's, you know, with, with, these, with these Star Wars spin-offs, <laughs> for people like you and, you and me, it doesn't even matter. We're watching it. Yeah. You know, but what I would like to see is like, this is what I wanted after Empire. Like it, I mean, setting it during the original trilogy is, is, a bit of a, is a bit of a, you know, it's, you've got a crutch there. Whereas yeah. I wanted to see stories of other people. I don't see any more fucking Jedi. They're all assholes, pretty much. The, the prequels, the, the, the prequels might have been, it's like Star Wars, the first trilogy, Jedi are dicks. Mm. They're, you know, they're awful. Um, I just, I just want to see, I just want to see Luke being a badass. That's all I want. No, we can see Luke being a badass, but I mean, that's I all I want. See, I want to see no, normal you, people you, being badass. That's, I that's see, like, fine normal, too. That's I want to see too. Star Wars tales. That's fine too. This I don't. Is, this mind. is a heist movie, a heist movie in Star Wars universe. I'll fucking watch that. I'm gonna, you know, we, you know, we're both gonna watch it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I thought it was a good looking trailer. Hmm. But my, my 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 fascination with the movie is just, I just want to see how, you know, 
how it sells. I'm yeah. just I'm just really curious about that. Um, not 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 to say. So's Disney. <laughs> not to say whether or not it's going to be a good movie or a bad movie. The yeah. trailer makes it look pretty good. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm gonna watch it. You know, it's one of those movies that I, we have to watch. That we have to watch. Yeah. Um, but do you? But just taking a do step. Do you, dear listener? Just taking a step out of the whole thing and, and just thinking about its commercial prospects, I'm genuinely curious. It's got crazy armored Forrest Whitaker playing. That and has never at any point in his career proven to be box office gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ghost Dog was the bomb, man. <laughs> Ghost Dog broke, broke a whole bunch of records. But um, it was nice to be able to hear a new arrangement of the Star Wars theme after all that year and sound interesting and fresh. It was, it was. No, I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it. Mm. It's a very interesting time because, you know, you know that at, we are now officially at this point where every single year we are getting a Star Wars movie. Yeah. We're getting a Marvel, we're getting Marvel movies. We're getting movie, DC at least movies. Too. Um, it's just such a great time to be a fan. Mm. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> Actually, I mean, while I remember it, I mean, because it's been so long since we did an episode... Uh, just talking about the whole um, whitewashing controversy of of Doctor Strange oh, and yeah. Ghost in the Shell. I mean, it, it's old news. Yeah. It's old news now, but people are still kind of talking about it a little bit. But yeah. because it's been so long since we had a next, I mean, like, how did you feel about that? Um, for do, me, do you give a shit? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a you know white male, eighteen to forty. No, but as everything a fan, everything goes my way. No, but as a but as a fan of the original source yeah. material, do you have an opinion? I absolutely loved Ghost in the Shell. I love what that did, um, but. And there was one commentator, I can't remember who it was, was talking to someone on Twitter, said it was, one of the tweets was used a lot. And it was about how Ghost in the Shell is a very Japanese story yeah. because of their relationship with technology and everything else. And <clears throat> Ghost in the Shell isn't just a kick-ass action movie. The first movie is like, yes, it's been done another, a lot, of, been done to death since then. Since the Matrix there's, a, there's an awful lot of uh, social commentary. Yeah. That is very uh, specific. And have you watched uh, Standalone Compact? No. Like, it's, you want to watch an anime, watch that anime. It's fucking, like, you lose your fucking mind trying to keep up what's going on. Because, like, it's episode of the week, but there's also other stuff going on. But these are, like, they've got military-grade hard, military hardware. Mm. There are a ton of people, like, just run into people who have other high-grade technology. There's conspiracy going on. It's all about, like, they're all, half, most of them are barely human. Mm. Like, all that's left is of uh, the main character is a brain, pretty mm -hmm. much. Like, she just switches bodies like she switches clothes, almost. Not quite, because they're fucking expensive. But it's that kind of idea of like, there's a whole um, philosophical argument to Ghost in the Shell, which yeah. is like, how much of you can you replace before there's nothing of you left? That's yes. the ghost, your ghost in your shell. And the whole horror of that is the ghost in the shell is the ghost is your soul and people are hacking people's souls. But you can also argue that that is no longer just a Japanese thing. No, but... Um, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, you know? no, I mean... I mean like, well, I mean, what, what I found... What I, what I thought was like, if they had done something, I thought it would have been interesting if they had adapted it more to the US's um, history with... Um, it's actually, no, that's just Robocop. No, I mean, I think I think what sort of... Um, the 87 Robocop, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Because like, they have the, the crumbling infrastructure in Detroit and all that kind of stuff. No, I think what really sort of worked against them with this whole whitewashing thing, particularly with uh, Ghost in the Shell, is the reports that they had actually tried to make Scarlett Johansson look more Asian. Yeah. Um, we all know how that well that worked for Cloud Atlas. Yeah, and uh, not only that, they they're retaining the original uh, characters' names. So Scarlett Johansson's character is still Major Motoko uh, Kusanagi. Kusanagi. Yeah, that poses problems. Yeah, uh, that is, I think, 
where they fucked up. It's yeah. not so much like oh, because they they because there was a very everything they said about the, like the new Akira movie is it said in Neo New York. Mm. That makes sense. That's an yes. adaptation you can use, and yes. then you can cast Leonardo DiCaprio or yes. something yes. as a as the general or, or some the shit. many the many fucking leading men that turned it down. Yeah. Uh, but by keeping the original t- the original uh, characters' names, not only that, th- there's quite a few Japanese people in this movie. And there's at least one Malaysian. Yes, that's right. That's right. We'll try and get an interview with yeah, that gentleman. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll try and get an interview with that gentleman. Yeah. Yeah? Um, and he's done his stuff already. That's the interesting. I mean, they're in, pre-pro- they're in post-production there, right? Mm. So it's shot. Mm. It's done. But what I find interesting is that they interviewed um, the uh, creator of Ghost in the Shell, Masamune Ishiro. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, it's like he doesn't understand what the big fucking deal is. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it's, a Hollywood, it's a Hollywood adaptation. We never expected a Japanese actor to be cast. Yeah. What is more offensive to them is if they had chosen to cast it Asian but not Japanese. Yes. There's a very good article on Kotaku.com on this mm. where they were looking at reaction from Twitter users in Japan because, you know, they have Kotaku East. They have editors based there now. Yeah, yeah. And have had for some time. And they were looking at those, and they weren't bothered about it. Yeah, they would have been really bothered about it if, if they, they cast Koreans. If they cast Koreans, or they cast like a you know a Chinese, Chinese person, person, you know, then it would have been a major issue, like uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, where they cast Zhang Ziyi as, oh, yeah. as the Geisha. You know, not to say she sucked in it or anything, but she's just not Japanese. Did you, you see tra- Max Landis' stuff on this? It's some of that got taken out of context as well, because we still live in the three sixties of bullshit, treat mm. the sphere of uh, was a cone of ignorance. He was talking about it's about bank, and they used to be used to have um, actors you could bank on, like. Jason Bourne is still one of them. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon is now, or not Matt Damon, Ben Affleck is now going to be one of them mm-hmm. for a while. And um, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Like, um, Julie Roberts is turning up in some movie about Mother, uh, Mother's Day. Yes. I mean, it's a Gary Marshall joint, but blah, yeah. blah, blah, fuck it anyway. But like, she's, she no, can't but, carry no, a movie. No one's expecting her to carry a movie anymore. Uh, Julie Roberts. Um, Whereas her- Scarlett Johansson is one person who can get your movie green. Having her involved with her Lucy and after the Avengers, yeah, yeah. she will get your movie greenlit. You can be doing a movie about two people in a coffee shop and she will get it greenlit. Speaking of, Kevin Feige has finally announced that uh, Marvel is committed to doing a standalone Black Widow yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, but that, that'll be after they're doing the Captain yes. Marvel one, right? Yes, by that time, Scarlett Johansson might be a bit, like, stiff. <laughs> yeah, from all those crotch um, takedowns that she does, that she loves to do so much. Although, 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 although I did find in Civil War, you can really tell it's not her. Yeah. In the action sequence. You can tell a bit in the Avengers as well. Yeah, there's a few bits and pieces, but it's interesting. I mean, I'm looking for. I want to see a trailer. I want to see a trailer. Yeah. Um, there's also just because of the the the, the backlash on things like I think um, Paul Feig came out and saying about like the asshole backlash to Ghostbusters. Like like he came out in defense of Melissa McCarthy and that she's just a funny fucking person. And he's someone who knows how to channel her funny. Yes. He did it perfectly in Spy. Mm-hmm. I went in expecting it to be awful, and he made her and fucking Jason Statham was the funniest I've ever seen him be in anything and it also funny as I've seen an actor be in a long time mm. like where I'm actually laughing at every single thing he did in that movie no it was uh, they really subverted his yeah beautifully his, his image really but she's well. hilarious as well and he figured out the reason why she's hilarious in that movie and the other movies he's done with her is that she plays it normal but to me Melissa McCarthy is like Jason Mewes yeah it's like I like her I really like her if you use her like a scalpel in, in supporting roles yeah if you use her as a sledgehammer it's fucked I mean with a Tammy bomb right that was someone else did that none of her movies have bombed I mean like they have been critical bombs like Tammy yeah. was a critical bomb the one that she recently did called The Boss was a critical bomb but none of these movies because ha- that was her playing a crazy person mm. if she plays the normal person and everyone around her is crazy yeah 
That's perfect. Yes. And I, hopefully that's what we get in Ghostbusters. I'm still confused as fuck I'm, as whether I'm, it's a I'm, reboot or not. Because I'm really on the fence with Ghostbusters. I mean, like, it's it's very, you know, it's easy for me to say, like, oh, I, you know, this movie was a write-off for me from day one. And it kind of was. Mm. Not because I have any issues with them doing an all-female reboot. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But I don't think there should be another Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. That, that's where I'm coming from. Like, you, you want to get those same four actresses and, and do, like, a Ghostbuster-y kind of movie? Mm. I'm all for it. But by calling it Ghostbusters and having it be like, you know, a passing the baton... I it just... doesn't seem to be a passing the baton. It seems to be a reboot. Like, the original cast members who were involved are playing cameos, according to Uma Paga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not... They're not, like, a local franchise. I mean, if, if it had just been that, like, there were franchises of Ghostbusters and it's all corporate bullshit now... Yeah. And they're a fresh startup... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah. you got these smart women going up against the glass ceiling. Yeah. Whereas it is, it's a weird rebooty thing. It's kind of like a reboot, but at the same time, it feels like a sequel as and, well. And Sony's marketing fuck this by, I think, on April's Fool's they talk about the Proton Pack and saying, as designed by Egon Spendler and Kate McKinnon's character. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. But I think you just said fans are assholes, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. They are. <laughs> um, cool stuff. I think I did some of this on the podcast with... Uh, we should move on. Yeah. Um, cool stuff. I think we, we covered some of this in the show up by here, but I mean, I, you saw... Just for the Batman vs Superman, the ridiculous stuff that's coming out of that. The six foot tall fucking Ben Affleck in Batman armor statue. How ridiculous is that? It's ridiculous. Whoa, whoa go back up. Oh, it's on, it, I, I thought it was a pulse rifle. <laughs> <coughs> God damn it, I'll never get my fucking pulse rifle. Um, talking about, you know, cool things that should be cool, but were fucked uh, irredeemably for Aliens Day, which yeah. was 426. The shoes. The shoes. Reebok yeah. came out with the shoes that Ripley wore in Aliens, which are fucking badass. Badass. In but men's sizes in men's only. Sizes. So fucking dumb. How do you do that? It's like, Jesus Christ. It's... Who originally wore these? A woman? Yes. Well, a woman in one of the most, like, ball-bustingly amazing women role model characters of all time. Yeah. And you... Fuck you, Reebok. I mean, for me, cool stuff, um, like uh, Mezco, mm-hmm. Mezco, uh, the toy company Mezco, they are doing a really awesome line of toys called the um, the 112, uh, it's it basically the 112 uh, series. Uh, so f- they started off doing uh, Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. and then they opened it up to include Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Mm. Um all of them were very, very cool. And then after that, they opened it up to uh, Batman v Superman. Show me the dread. The dread. Oh, it's Cursed Earth Dread. I like it already. Yep. From the thumbnail. Yes. Yeah, I like that. He's got a big coat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what they started with. And since then, they've opened it up uh, to Star Trek, Marvel, and DC. Nice. So they have uh, Daredevil. And, I mean, it's just, it's just very cool. It's a nice blend of old-school vintage... Uh, using using sort of like a real real material, but uh, with also like fully posable figures. Oh, nice! So that's a that's a that's a that's actually a little small tiny leather suit he's wearing. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, and just the likeness is really cool. Captain Kirk is is fucking awesome. Oh shit! I just ordered it. Uh, <laughs> I just ordered it by mistake. <laughs> I pressed the wrong button. And it's like you've just pre-ordered. <laughs> um, they're not cheap. They're like seventy-five US, eighty US a pop. But the Captain America does look like a Ken doll a bit, though. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like the more the more sort of like cloth the, the person's character has, the be- you know. But uh, they're they're 
their fucking Dark Knight stuff is is really really cool. They're also doing Universal Monsters. Their Frankenstein is very cool as well. Oh, nice. And he's in black and white. Yeah. So I mean, like, if you're into um, if you're into action figures, this is a really really nice uh, line to get in on on the ground floor because a lot of this stuff is still pre-order. Yeah, and it's all go back up to the yeah, gym. and you can get the mutant leader from the Dark Knight. Oh right, that's a what's a sixty four, sixty four dollars. Yep, that's relatively cheap for a figure of that that quality you're looking at. Yeah, relatively, relatively. But Mesco has been doing a lot of stuff. Like uh, their their Thundercats line is awesome. Mm. Their their line of like a uh, these are the same guys who also did all the the Breaking Bad toys. Oh, yeah. You know, so you got the burnt face, uh, you know, Gus Fring exclusive, which is badass. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, Carlos Esposito's character, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Los pueblos, hermanos. <coughs> nice. All right, we're going to move on to emails. First of which, I'm going to have to do an insert later for the announcing at the beginning of the email podcast. But um, edit that bit out. Uh, if you remember, the last time we did two or three podcasts, we were going to give away a junk monkey bag from greenroom136.com. That's right. Uh, they're sponsors of our show. We're very thankful for that. Uh, they make cool uh, backpacks, DJ bags, urban carry gear. carrying gears. Uh, the Junk Monkey is a very popular little number. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, guar- they're almost guaranteed for life. Handmade in Malaysia. Uh, the question was that Quentin Tarantino uses a lot of actors as cameos in his movies from one movie to another. Yeah. However, one character, one actor only made a... Well, Harvey Keitel made a voice-only yes. cameo in one movie. What yes. was that movie? And our winner is... Nicholas Lee, you have won the Junk Monkey, the black Junk Monkey backpack. Bag. Yeah. We'll be in touch soon to get your details and we'll send it out to you. We should have a new competition coming up soon, so stay tuned for that. The correct answer was Inglorious Bastards. That's exactly it. And most people spelled it right. Yes. So congratulations, Nicholas. And sorry, Michael Chen. Sorry, Michael Chen. (laughs) (laughs) No, you really wanted that junk monkey. (laughs) (laughs) You really want a junk monkey. I wanted the junk monkey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about it, Gordon? Yeah, <laughs> getting it. You just got to ask him. <clears throat> so yeah, um, emails. We have some emails. And forgive me if we answer these on Behir's show, but Gavin wasn't here, so we're going to do them again. Gavin and Ian, what movie soundtracks would you have on repeat? Chairs, Zoloft. Right now, Interstellar. Mm, interesting choice, yeah. Some nice stuff in there. Zimmer. Zimmer's always good. Zimmer's always good. I mean, like, for a while, <laughs> for a while I had a rush on, on repeat. Uh, which is also yeah. which is also Hans Zimmer. Rush like, is, we, also we, we, Rush we, is fucking awesome in the gym. Like if you wanted to get get some work done, fuck yeah, fucking a. Like soundtrack to Rush. And on the sidebar, um, Zimmer did soundtrack for a video game called Crisis Two or Three, mm-hmm. and there's a tune in that which is like super badass as well. I mean, a lot of the I listen to the theme tra- the theme tunes uh, the soundtracks when I'm when I need to write. I like to get really baked mm-hmm. and just go driving. Uh, like if I'm driving home from a bar, mm-hmm. which no one should do, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm driving home for a bar, like I know, like I gotta like after several strong coffees. That's right. You know, like after a few sit up bundles. Mm-hmm. You know, like and and you know you're gonna be going through some tunnels. Uh huh. Interstellar soundtrack, dude. <laughs> you're you're tripping the void. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> it's like. I, I, I swear to God, at one point, I saw the wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> and you saw Matt Damon at the other side? Yeah. Don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> I will never trust Matt Damon ever again. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Chris Nolan. Another one for me that I really like is the Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan one. That's right. There's some really good stuff in there, especially the new Tower Nebula. I actually, I actually really like the soundtrack to Hook. Hook, really? Yeah. 
It's partly to do with like uh, childhood memories. Like a certain bit will come on. I'm like, I remember that bit. Yeah. You know, because I think in order, to, in or, like, uh, I, one thing I found about that movie is that people who like that movie were a certain age when it came out. Yeah. Anyone above that age hates that. See, movie. if the, if you were the main, if you were the same age or just around the same age as the main as the kid character. Well, I wasn't. I was. I was. I was considerably older <laughs> than the kid character. But you know, I mean, like. Uh, I, I just uh, really I really enjoyed the movie. I didn't realize. I mean, I, when I watch the movie now, I realize like it's bloated. Like yeah. it's really bloated. There's too many fucking things going on. The movie's the movie itself is too long. Um, but there are so many moments in that film that I think are just classic Spielberg. Yeah. You know um, that bit where you know he's trying to find his smile and that little black kid comes out and pushes his face up and he's got that <laughs> smile and he's like, oh, there you are, Peter. And then the fucking John Williams score comes in. You know, I just found that really powerful when when uh, Peter discovers uh, flight again, or when he's eating the fucking fake food. That's right. That's right. You know, you, know, you fucking choop doop hoop doop goddamn motherfucker. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and you know that bit like where where Rufio is just like, you know, you can fly, you know, you can fight, and you can crow. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, the you know, and the and the music and the music comes on. There was something about John Williams' score that I just found. Very majestic okay, for for go. Hook, and also I really like the soundtrack to Batman Returns. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, Batman Returns. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. That's Beetlejuice, but yeah, it's like basically uh, Batman Returns is uh, Danny Elfman on steroids. Yeah. And oh. also, the when you listen to the soundtrack of Batman Returns, Danny Elfman laid the foundation. For every single Tim Burton movie score for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it all started with that. Bringing it back to Zimmer, uh, his stuff on... And also uh, Randy Edelman, uh, Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yes. Oh, well, also, also but, but, but that one was done by two, two composers. Yeah. It was Randy Edelman and Trevor Jones. Na, so the, the, the main theme... Is actually Trevor Jones. Okay. You know, even even the other one, like with with the fucking violin. Also Trevor Jones. Okay. So Randy Edelman didn't do a fucking thing. But Randy Edelman, after Last of the Mohicans, did the score for Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Oh yeah. And Dragon the Bruce Lee story sounds a lot like Last of the Mohicans. It's just got a slightly more Asian feel to it. What was I it was something Michael Giacchino's scores I quite like as well. I like yes, his stuff for yes. uh, the Star Trek stuff. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but does. there was something. I'm not sure if it was Ten Cloverfield Lane. It was Star Wars. And there's a moment like where I'm like, he's playing the music from when Kirk and McCoy are running away at the at the beginning of Into Darkness. Mm. Like I've gotten to be that nerd. I'm that guy now. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually for the, with the when I go to screenings now I'm staying to the credits anyway for a, a, a teaser. Mm-hmm. But even when not, I'm looking at the fucking score. Mm. Um, another one that's I love I, I mean I love all the, the Hans Zimmer stuff uh, the Hans Zimmer and James Newton on um, James the, Newton. the Dark Knight Rises James Newton Howard for Aliens is amazing yeah I don't I don't find that one I can work to I mean I love the that's that's similar to the but that one is really a perfect blend of sound and, and visuals that's similar to the Star Trek 2 one in that you know like Star Trek has that like bomb clang it's like metal hitting on metal Mm-hmm. That one has some of that as well as an element of like you know a hammer hitting on an anvil kind of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Jackman is someone who started to come to my attention from the X Men First Class. 
mm-hmm. the training montage in that. Mm-hmm. That's super good for the gym if we're getting work done. Um, sublift. You know the Sublift song when Magneto rips the submarine out of the water? Yeah. Oh, I fucking love that song. That is my, that's my jam right there. Like, I can listen to that over and over again, and I have. Uh, oh, have you seen... Um, I'm you... also a big Mark Isham fan. Mark Isham? Mark Isham has done a lot of really, really cool soundtracks. Name seven. Okay, uh, he did Crash, the Paul Haggis movie. He does, like, a lot of, like, very contemplative... Okay. You know, so um, quieter, less bombastic stuff. Yeah, uh, he also did the soundtrack for Point Break. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did the soundtrack for um, A River Runs Through It. It's very... Um, you know, it's like not the kind of thing that you would ever sort of pick out like, oh, that's a Mark Isham score. Mm. But he, like also The Mist. I don't remember the music for The Mist. The Mist, you know, it's like right at the he end, you know, when he went after the, that crazy fucked up ending, it's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, Bad Lieutenant, uh, fucking, he's done, a, I mean, like amazing stuff. Okay. Um, have you seen The Guard? Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Calexico soundtrack. Yeah, the Calexico soundtrack for that is pretty good. And uh, the soundtrack especially is pretty good because when you're working away, you know, you're lost in this OST world. And then all of a sudden you hear Brendan Gleeson go, it's going to be a beautiful fucking day. (laughs) (laughs) It's the very beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, We can't uh, leave out Daft Punk's Tron Legacy is one of the best film soundtracks of all time. I agree. And David Holmes' soundtrack for the first Ocean's Eleven. That's okay, but I think I prefer the one for Out of Sight. Ah, uh, yes. I think Out of Sight yes. is better. Yes. Because I, I was into David Holmes before he did movies. Man. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, John Murphy, uh, 28 Days Later. I'm just looking at my fucking scores. It's called Scores for Working, my playlist. Mm-hmm. I should probably, I could actually share this online. John Ottman, fucking Usual Suspects. Yeah. Uh, what's this Earth 2077 oh Oblivion M83 the soundtrack to Oblivion right right, right. the you know the uh, the Pacific Rim soundtrack with the guy from Rage Against Machine uh, fuck Pacific Rim no you yeah, know we know you don't like that movie but you're not mad now but the you know that thing that I love that Brian Taylor Tyler one of the Things that like I listen to to really get myself going mm-hmm. is the Journey to Asgard theme from Thor. I'm not sure if it's Thor the uh, yeah Thor the Dark World. Mm. It's got the kind of that thing. That is fucking. I like those kind of ones that just blow me away. Alan Silvestri does some okay work, and then as the Jurassic World turns by Michael Giacchino again. Alan Silvestri, I mean, like, for me, like, his heyday was, like, 80s. Mm. Like, you know, what that was... Then? That, I, I didn't know from the Avengers. What about Back to the Future? Okay. Yes. He did the soundtrack. He okay. did. He did. Okay, I need to do more research on my soundtrack. Yeah. You're looking at someone who has the 12-inch vinyl of the Back to the Future soundtrack. My cousin which, gave which, it to Which me. makes this all the more sad. I know. <laughs> hey, I didn't read the liner notes. I just kept listening to Hugh listening. Here's <laughs> Gotta get back in time. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. <laughs> next, please. Can we get the next band in, please? Speaking of Michael J. Fox, how awesome is he in fucking The Good Wife? He's great. The Good Wife is one of those shows where it's like I'm constantly reaching for my phone to look up somebody because I'm like, I know that dude. I know I didn't have to do it for Michael J. Fox, but other characters. Something is wrong. The Good Wife is crying. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that's the soundtrack stuff. Um, 
me oh the one that drove me nuts for years i was humming it in the shower and i couldn't figure out what it was it's the scene in empire strike back where they're flying through the uh, the asteroid field no i'm breaking it. that's a star trek that's a stargate sg1 theme there's something like that where they're just where they're flying through them there's a very particular theme that plays then and that's the thong, song that plays in my theme, my head when there's nothing else going on. That's the thong that plays thong. in it. Yeah. <laughs> thong, 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 thong. All okay, right. I think I didn't mention this to you because this, this came in from Michael Chen, I think. Um, I totally share your sentiments about your review of The Revenant. Right before listening to you guys, I wrote my own review too. Gavin, listening to your review about The Hateful Eight, I'm totally looking forward to watching it now. I have a feeling I'm going to agree with you after watching Ola Bola, but I'm personally uncomfortable that people seem to be swept from the whole thing after the film being about unity and whatnot. But oh well, guess there's no right or wrong here. Anyway, thanks for taking the time to read this, fellas. So yeah, I mean, I can't remember what your issues with Ola Bola with the framing device, right? No, no, I mean, my issue with uh, Ola Bola was that, um, is that uh, the movie was bookended by scenes that take place in the present day. That's and, the yeah, 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 and, and the, uh, those scenes were horrible yeah. compared to the rest of the movie. It felt like it was made by a different creative team. Yeah. Uh, a guy's emailed a few times, JC. I think it's a guy. Hopefully, it's a guy. Please let it be a guy. <coughs> I mean, if it's not, we're sorry. Um, JC emailed in again to say the video for Patrick Cho and OJ Law's video was really nice, man. I noticed Gavin's hand as the florist. Was that? Was that? Was the red tube among the pocket items lube? <laughs> uh, no, the red tube is actually uh, it's this Australian product called Pawpaw, Pawpaw. which, which uh, I use as lip balm. Oh, really? Because uh, my lips get chapped pretty easily. I have very sensitive lips. No, that's the name of the episode title. <laughs> the Red Shoe. <laughs> oh, God, we're going to get so many more porn people looking at our side if we do that. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, who knows? They might like it. Yeah, they might. Um, so that was... But but it's also used for anything. Like, anytime you got an itch or anything, you know, it's like, 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 like a it. scab or whatever, you just put that stuff on it. So, no, it wasn't lube. Yeah, I've got my Irish version. It's called Pseudo Cream, motherfucker. Uh, but thank you. I'm glad you liked the video. Yeah, I enjoyed the video too. I, I, I like the bits of Patrick singing along with the so lip syncing. I'm a sucker for people lip syncing, even when, especially when they're completely different from what you expect to hear. I mean, uh, I mean that 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 video came together very quickly. Um, I'll put a link to it. In the I was, in the uh, yeah, please. Do. I was uh, actually um, Patrick was a last minute addition to that video. Um, I was going to be working with another Singapore based actor, but at the last minute, he wasn't able to do it. Uh, so I had to retool it considerably uh, to suit Patrick. Good and, the filmmaking right there, right now. And uh, it was uh, it was supposed to be a two day shoot. It ended up being eight hours because because of uh, Patrick's availability. Right. So considering taking all that into consideration, I'm quite happy with. No, how we it should say out. we should we should get Patrick on here at some point to talk about something. Yeah. But um, he's currently cycling to Bangkok from Alor Sitar. He is. Which is insane. Yes. And he's. Did you see the video? On his tricycle. On his tricycle. Did you see the video of him just fucking plugging away on his tricycle? Like no. that's I mean, David Wu is doing I think it's ten thousand kilometers mm. to China. I'm not yeah. sure what distance they're doing, but I did a I did a bike marathon once and it wasn't that long. Yeah, because I recently wrecked. did Actor Olympics and Patrick was supposed to do Actor Olympics and then he got his dates fucked up and realized, Oh shit <laughs> I'm on a I'm bike. I'm cycling to Bangkok and then we're all like, Oh for fuck's sake. A <laughs> <laughs> last email from this week comes in from Ringo one two three. Who says, have you watched any of the films that Prince was in, like Purple Rain or Graffiti Bridge? I have not. I've seen Purple Rain. Um, yeah, he shouldn't do movies. Really? <laughs> well, no, he's not gonna. Uh, no, I mean, like, uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but I mean, he wasn't necessarily... He was a, it was a vehicle. He was a tremendous screen presence, Yeah. but he wasn't a tremendous actor. How's that? Yeah. 
Yeah, but no, I, uh, I, I think Purple Rain Graffiti Bridge were on VHS at the video store at the time, and it was one of those ones where I just never got around to watch it. I mean, it, it was a huge, huge loss. Uh, 2016 is proving to be quite a sucky year. Yeah, he's only, and he was only 57. Yeah. Like, that's, that's young. It's just been a horrible year in terms of losing just great talents. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do we miss? Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at podcast at com. You can get us on Twitter at McKeppen Fries, and we also have a Facebook page where you can message us there and we'll get that. We'll pick that up as well. If you want to follow us like individually on Twitter, I'm uh, Gav Yap. And I'm McAnasty Prime. That's MC, not MAC. He's also the same on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Gav Yap77. Yes, you can see all the food I'm eating. <laughs> I don't post any pictures of food. I get, I, get, I, get, I get so much more likes for the food, especially the ones I cook myself. I'm really chuffed on myself. Yeah, yeah. So you nailed that uh, fucking salmon salad. That salmon salad was fucking the bomb. <laughs> that was awesome. And we got some of that QP um, Caesar salad cream. Fuck oh, you. Why don't you, just, so good. why don't you just start make? Why don't you just start like cooking up some kale dishes? You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing, there's that guy online. Is the burgers from Bob's Burgers and there's always kale on them. How was it? A view to a kale. Fuck kale. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lettuce without a cheese. Fuck that rabbit food shit. <laughs> All right, now we're going to move into the review section of our show. All right. Let's start with the Jungle Book. Okay. Because I think we need to talk about the Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah, all right. I mean, it's great to see Jean Favreau back again doing a big movie, because this yeah. is a big movie. Yeah. And apparently it was shot, mo- there's a feature out I saw the headline for, apparently it was shot mostly in England. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. I saw another headline that said it was inspired by the Jungles of Sarawak, but I don't know who that's coming from. Um, probably some Sarawakian. Probably. <clears throat> but... um. The Jungle Book, it is The Jungle Book. It's the remake. It's one of Disney's latest remakes of their animated classics in a live-action format. Yeah. Um, we had questions beforehand, like we were talking about the trailer before, about whether you know they were teasing the bare necessities in the trailer with yeah. Baloo whispering it, or yeah. whistling yeah. it. But we weren't even sure the animals were going to talk. Yeah. They do talk. They do talk. And boy, do they talk. And that's why that's why Carlos Esposito popped in my head earlier. The voices they get are perfect. Yeah. Like, uh, he's the, uh, the, the he's the, Aquila. Yes, the head of the wolves. Um, ben Kingsley was born to play Bagheera. The amount of disdain he gets in his voice when he's doing that is fantastic. Um, I mean, like I, I liked all of the uh, the the uh, the voice actors. I thought they all kind of like uh, did did the best they could with what they were given. I enjoyed including the late Gary Shandling as a prickly porcupine. Amazing. He was fantastic. Amazing. I love Gary Shandling. I mean, can I just say, like, I, I, was, I was upset when he passed. Yeah. I love Gary Shandling. I grew up watching mm-hmm. uh, the Gary Shandling show. Which I've never seen and wasn't 100% aware of because it started for us. It was, it was, I think I've told you before, there was a period in the late 80s and 90s where channels in the UK and Ireland would buy these primetime shows in the US and put them on at midnight on a Friday. Yeah. And um, not the Gary Shandling show, the one after it. The, the, the Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders show was one of those. And if you, like, if you talk to someone and they talk about that, you know they were cool. The Larry Sanders show was just a seminal series. I mean, it was an amazing show. But I loved his stand-up. Yeah. I loved his stand-up. I mean, I kind of grew up watching him. Uh, my introduction to Gary Shandling was uh, the, the comic relief. Mm-hmm. The comic relief shows. Okay. And it was his trademark thing. You know, it's like, Gary Shandling, he'd go up there and everyone's like, woo! It's like, thanks, thanks. That, that was really desperate. <laughs> and he just, it, you know, he... He just had this way with one-liners that was like his delivery was so dry. It was amazing. Yeah. It was like, um, you know, I'm. I'm doing... He added so much to when he said "Hail Hydra." It's like Hail Hydra. 
It was so perfect when he turned up in the yeah, Avengers yeah. movie. Or in um, Looking like a lizard. Iron Man. Looking like an iguana. Yeah, he looked like an iguana. <laughs> and then, looking like a porcupine. And then for him to be part of Hydra was such a smart choice on the cho- on the behalf of the directorial team. But the joke that won me over, like I think this was in 1987, you know, like Comic Relief in 1987. Comic Relief is this thing, I'm not sure they still do it, that it used to be hosted by uh, Robin Williams... Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal. Yeah. I mean, it started, I, think, I, I, I presume, I think it was an, an adaptation of the U, UK one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. UK was like Lenny Henry and Don French and all those people. Yeah. It was like to raise money for uh, Africa. Yeah. Uh, whereas the American comic relief was just to raise money for American uh, homeless and American yeah. poor because they've got a ton of it. But uh, Gary Shadling, I remember he was up there and he's just like, um, I'm doing a comic relief because I'm dating a homeless woman. Because uh, you know it's e- it's easier to talk them into sleeping over. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great in the Jungle Book. Where he's like, this is my stick. Yeah. He's just like obsessed. It's like ah, ah. You know, I mean, he's just like a more fun Woody Allen. Yeah. You know, the whole sort of like neurotic Jew. Yeah. But he just without all the weird sex things. With, without all the, without all the baggage. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and the uh, Book. there was this amazing um, Instagram post that I think Judd Apatow did. Um, because apparently like all of these comedy greats used to meet up at Gary Shandling's house and play basketball. Oh, nice. And, um, after Gary Shandling passed, a whole bunch of these comedy greats who were all good friends with Gary Shandling went to Gary Shandling's house and played one final game of basketball. Nice. And, uh, Judd Apatow posted this group picture of just a whole, the who's who of comedy just after a game playing, after a ge- after a game of hoops nice. at Gary Shandling's house. It was uh-huh. a, it was a great post. Sweet. And um, Bill Maher also did a really, really beautiful tribute mm. uh, to Gary Shandling. I didn't see that. But, uh, no, I mean, like, I enjoyed The Jungle Book. My only issue with The Jungle Book, I mean, like, uh, as far as, as far as like, family entertainment goes, you can't fault it. No. But what I, my only complaint with The Jungle Book is that it could not compete with the romanticized memory I have of the original. Well, what I did... And whenever they did anything in the film... That, that harkened back to it? That harkened back to it, it just fell flat for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I think for me, it was similar to watching The Lord of the Rings when I had been so long since I'd read the book that I wasn't that... I, I, I was swept away by it. But a friend of mine at the time, Aideen, she just finished rereading it again because she rereads it every couple of years and she was super pissed at the end when we walked out of the cinema because so, she was missing Tom Bombadil and I was like, well, fuck that shit. Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil would not work no. in a movie. No. I, I, was, I was like, oh, it's perfect. And she's like, no, it's not. I was like, you don't know what you're um, for me, I think it was like we've had this spate of live action remakes, and also you know remakes of live action remakes. Disney have done a lot, and they've done the the, the great and powerful Oz Cinderella movie, which I was not impressed with. Um, the Maleficent, which was a prequel more than anything else. Yep. This was from the moment that the Disney castle appears on screen, and it's the old Disney castle. Yeah, like the new one has a, a moat you can see all the way through, which from defense purposes is not great. But the old one, like, was defensible. But it's like a 1960s animated... It's CGI to look like a 1960s animated version. They understand their audience. I mean, yeah. it's the same way... It's the same way, like, you know, I, I, I got giddy uh, when I watched Argo for the first time and the old uh, 70s Warner Brothers... Film Warner Brothers logo comes yeah. on and you're just like, fuck! Yeah. They get it. Yeah. They get it. And, 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 and even even the point where to the point where, like, okay, they lose the four uh, vultures that look like the Beatles. Cause yeah. They don't need that. Anyway, that, that section was a bit weird in the original movie anyway. Yeah. Um, you know that uh, Everything Wrong With YouTube channel? Yeah. They did Everything Wrong With the original Jungle Book when the, with, in tandem with the release of the movie. And looking at that, it's like, okay, yeah. It, if you watch that, then you realize that your memories don't stand up. Yeah. But they get in Bare Necessities. They get in um, 
I want to be, be like, like you. you. Yeah. And even the fact that they got Scarlett Johansson and, and, and to they sing. Also, and they also got like trust in me, you know. Yeah, that's me. They got they got Scarlett Johansson to sing trust in me. They didn't fit in the movie, but they put in the credits. Yeah. And those credits are fantastic. They're one of the best things I've ever yeah, seen yeah, in 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really nice. They're really so nice. good. And Christopher Walken singing is Bare Necessities is it's fantastic. Great. What I didn't like so much about the movie was the design of Baloo. Yeah, he looked a little bit like Yogi Bear. I didn't think it was even Yogi. It just, it just looked like it was too bearish, if you know what I mean. It was too realistic. Like it needed a small because Bagheera worked really, really well. I thought uh, the wolves worked really well. I, I didn't. I didn't have an issue with how Baloo looked. Um, I didn't really have an issue with the film. I thought it was an amazing. Um, and the kid was good. Yeah, I thought it was an amazing adaptation. Um, my own. Yeah, my only complaint is that whenever they did something that was similar to the original, it just fell flat for me because like it could not. It could not compete with the energy yeah. of the original. Um, when you watch the original, and I haven't seen the original in a while, but what I remember about it is just the energy. Yeah. The the you know like it's it's so, you know, it's yeah. I mean, and it just couldn't. I, I just couldn't compare. Idris Elba as Shere Khan. It's so different from because the original. It wasn't Terry Thomas, but someone like that, right? Yeah. Oh, was it? Was it Lawrence Olivier or someone? No, no, no. It wasn't Lawrence Olivier. Was I mean, John Gilgood. It was something like that because it was a real plummy English accent. Whereas the new one, it's got, you know, fucking Luther. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it does, it, it, there's, uh, he has a slight lisp or something like that that comes out more in this movie, but like it really works for the character. Like, you know, Shere Khan is an East London tiger. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It and works. it worked. And it it works. works so well. There's, like, every word is dripping with menace. George Sanders. Ah, George Sanders. Okay. Yeah. Who, was he? But, but it, is, it is kind of funny that like, you know, like, you keep wait. I kept waiting, you know, even though I know, I, I kept waiting for Jeremy Irons to, to, yeah. fucking, to fucking say something. You know, like, it's like Jeremy Irons uh, from uh, uh, fucking Lion King. Yeah. Even though he's not a tiger, he's just so perfect. Yes. You know. Uh, who else was there? There was, uh, Lupita Nagandio was Raksha. You know, and, and I liked, and I liked Scarlett Johansson as Ka, but I loved the original voice. I loved like Sterling Holloway as as the original. And he played the snake in Robin Hood as well, right? Yeah. Because that was where they were just like reusing things all over and, and over. No, because I just love the fact that Carr had a lisp. Yes. You know, and he's just oh, you know, and, and, you know, me. you know, but also like you know that thing where Bagheera's like Carr, hold it, Carr. And yeah. whack, he whacks him up. He hits he hits the top of his head on the on the branch. And he's just like oh yeah, well, the snake. My he... sinus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I love that shit. And by having... Wait, wait, hang, was he the guy who did the voice of um, Pooh Bear? Because one of them in the original one did. Was it Sterling Holloway? Because mm. like one of them was uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Yes. So it was such a weird, different thing. I mean, back then, Disney was reusing their fucking... Yes, yes, he was Winnie the Pooh. He was Winnie the Pooh in the old-fashioned ones that you remember as a kid. Check out the big brain on Ian. Nah, someone else mentioned it somewhere. I think I picked it up. But like that was like... It was a real two different sides of the same character. But... Um, no, I really enjoyed it. That 3D at the end was fantastic. The credits as a, as a whole were great. Yeah. And you had like, the one thing, I had one of the best moments of 3D I've seen in a long time because the first time I saw it was in 3D where they're rooting for the honey mm-hmm. and there's those three little animals come along, which, one of which is a, uh, what do you call it? Mm. The, 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 the scaly motherfucker, the Malaysian thing. It's, it's, what? It's a dragony looking thing with the scales. And like, oh, he's got another monkey to do his dirty work. Like they all come in. There's a whole world that's going on there already. The one thing I loved, I flat out loved about um, John Favreau's Jungle Book, is the way they did the nod to the elephants. Oh yes, 
Because I was wondering, like, are they going to do that? Are they going to do colonialist how elephants do, on parade? How they gonna, it's elephants on parade, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, How are they going to fucking do that? And I loved that. I loved the way they did that. Where they, Sam Raimi was the giant squirrel. Russell Peters was Rocky the Rhino. But I just loved that. I loved the way they gave the nod yeah. to that part, you know, where they, they, had the, they had the elephant march and then the little kid elephant... And, and, and Mowgli share that moment. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. And, that, and, and just Bagheera and um, Baloo standing there looking, what the fuck Bagheera! is going on? Bagheera! Just looking at him and like, fuck elephants. Don't fuck with the elephant. Oh. Oh, wow. Hmm? Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it, I, it's a really good movie. I mean, and they, the one thing is they did leave it. I mean, they got rid of the, the problematic ending of the original where it's like, Mowgli has to leave us now because he's horny. Um pretty much yeah he, but, sees, he sees a chick yeah yeah but now it's like they're very much set up for the jungle book too because he's like back where he started in a way yeah yeah um, and that's when they'll get um jeremy Irons play scar in the sequel the jungle book 2 scar harder and um, yeah so go watch that one uh 10 cloverfield lane okay this is an old movie so we don't need to spend too much time with this. no we weren't gonna spend too much time with the jungle book either no 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 i mean like I, I really liked this movie. I just wasn't crazy about the ending. Yes. I was the exact same. And also, I fucking hate the title. Yeah, the title... It did not they need... They fucked it. They fucked it by it giving it It did not need to be called that. No. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I thought it was a really tense movie. I thought the performances were great. I thought it was well-directed, well-acted, well-staged. I yeah. just did not like how they wrapped it up. Yeah. You know? It got, I got Although, I mean, like, as a single malt fan... I should say that every person should carry a bottle of single malt in their car just yeah. in case of an alien invasion. Exactly. Yeah. Well, spoilers. <laughs> the movie's out on home it's video. Been, uh, yeah, it's it's out on home video. Once it's out on home video, it's fair game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the whole tension and not knowing what's going on. And they played with expectations a little bit. And like, they kind of like, it was clear. They cleared up very quickly. That yeah. There's, yeah. there's some yeah. bad shit going down. Yeah. But then building on it further. And I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I Winston. love... Huh? She's Winsome. Winson. Winsome. Oh, right. Yeah. Who's the other guy? Uh, John Gallagher Jr. was great. Pretty yeah, he was well. really good. John Goodman is awesome as always. Oh, what's interesting is it's a side of John Goodman I haven't seen before because he's he's awkward and delicate in a way. I've, like he's seen, using, I mean, I've seen him do blustery. No, like I've, he's confident blustery. No, I, I've seen I've seen John Goodman do this do this kind of thing before. Yeah. Uh, John Goodman is an amazing actor. Yeah. Um, and I thought he he nailed this. It was. <laughs> You know, a completely pointless but still effective um, voice cameo from Bradley Cooper. Oh, who? Bradley Cooper was the uh, the boyfriend on the phone. Oh, right. Yeah, like yeah. completely pointless. Yeah. But I I recommend the movie. I mean, like uh, like I mean, I saw it with um, my wife and two other friends. Uh, my wife and I both felt the same way about the ending. My two friends loved the ending. Oh, okay. So I mean, it 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 really depends. But I mean, the, it it had the it had the signs problem of. This person has no weapons, and the aliens need to have a, uh, the enemy needs to have a, a weak point that they can exploit. Yeah, um, but aside from that, I mean, like uh, I, I thought that the uh, the build up was beautifully done. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was. Yeah, and, and I mean the music, the music as well plays beautifully throughout it. Yeah, yeah. I kept expecting the bad robots to run out of the fields though, at the end of the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do a quick one on Apadengan Chinta Two. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want to see it. I have not, I'll, I'll be up front. I've not seen the first one. Okay. I have it, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Uh, so why went to this movie cold? All I'd heard was like, it's a, it was an Indonesian movie that was huge. 
massive massive no the first one was a massive success uh, I mean and the thing that the first of all that hit me was like so I'd heard it was like you know 10 years later thing kind of a before sunrise after sunrise kind yeah, of thing yeah. um, so watching this first of all I just felt very old because I was like how young were these fuckers 10 years ago yeah, I didn't realize they were high school at the yeah, time. yeah 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 um, so the story is that um, at the end of the first movie there are a couple uh, the boyfriend um, Ranga goes off to New York and the with the kind of, I get the impression that it was like they were going to stay together. But 10 years have passed. Um, Chinta, that's her name. Chinta means love in Indonesian and Malaysian. Yes, yes. Um, she, ha- I know you know that for the listeners. All right. Okay. Um, she has moved on. He wrote her a bad letter. They never really found out what happened. And through one thing and another, they end up in Yogyakarta at the same time. Right. And they run into each other and there's a whole thing of what's going on there. Having no idea of the impact of the original, this is a really sweet, really interesting romantic drama. Like there is, and with also a, a lot of like, there's a great scene where the two of them eventually meet. It's not a spoiler; it's pretty early in the movie, and she just unloads on him, and he doesn't get to say a word. Like he's he's kind of the strong silent protagonist almost. Uh-huh. Like he mopes a fucking lot, right? Um, but she just like. She says one thing and he's about to explain something and she's like, and then you know, you motherfucker, you fucking, you know, you fucking left me alone and that fucking letter was garbage. And then he's about to explain and she's like, and you understand how that, f-? you know, it just goes back and forth like that. Yeah. It's, it's really, really nicely done. She's got some really interesting friends where, I, again, I'm interested to see what they were like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're having kids and everyone's moving on with their life and one of them is a recovering drug addict. So there's plenty of color going on there. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, like I said, it very felt, it felt like a very much like an Indonesian before sunrise, after sunrise kind of thing. Yeah. It's following up on these characters that I'm sure everyone loves. And I was taken away by it. Oh, you I, really it? Enjoy, I really enjoyed it. Excellent. And that's with the subtitles, which I was told, because my girlfriend's Indonesian, the subtitles were garbage at times. There's a lot of jokes that were not translated very well or meanings that weren't well. I was able to keep up, but she was looking at me going like, yeah, you didn't get that because there's something that wasn't translated well. Right. Because you can't help but see the subtitles when you're watching a movie here. Right. So that was one problem with that. But, you know, highly recommend it. Awesome. I hope it does well. Okay, I'm just going to do a really quick, quick review of uh, Kung Fury. Uh, like, like I said, this movie is not a new movie. It's a short film. It's like about half an hour long. Yeah. Um, it was first... Uh, I first found out about this film, I think it was in like in 2013, where they had a Kickstarter campaign yeah. uh, to make this film. It was uh, written, directed, and starring this guy, David Sandberg. It's a Swedish film, English language Swedish film, yeah. uh, that is very, very rooted in uh, the ni- 1980s pop culture. Where There's a power glove in it, and yeah. they use it to travel through time. Yeah. It's, uh, got that, it's got that beautiful 80s video filter on everything yeah. and they use they use that in a really clever way like whenever they want to like segue from one bit of the movie to another they make it seem like the uh, the videotape like anyone who's old enough to know this will know this is like when the you, tracking the, is the, off the tracking is off used you, to be the bane of our existence it's like you'd get all this like fucked up static on the screen and then you'd need to adjust the tracking in order to and I never understood what the fuck that did or how yeah, it worked yeah, yeah. You, just tell, you kept going back and forth and back and forth and somehow it worked <laughs> it, was, it was the analog 80s version of have you tried turning it off and on again pretty much uh, and so they use that in a really really clever way um, really quick the story basically it's this guy you know Kung Fury and his name is Kung Fury his name is Kung Fury he's a detective and after uh, he gets struck <laughs> by lightning and is bitten by a cobra <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he gets extraordinary Kung Fu powers mm-hmm. that make him basically the biggest badass in the world yeah. and the movie is essentially it's like uh, Hitler 
the Kung Fuhrer. The Kung Fuhrer has uh, come to Miami Beach and has dis- has assassinated the entire Miami police force by shooting them through a telephone. Yes! Like, <laughs> yes. He calls up the chief of police and he's like, Hello, police? Is that the police? Fuck you! And, <laughs> I forgot and through the receiver, shoots the telephone receiver. And it comes out the other side. And it comes out the other side and he wastes the, the Miami Police Department. Yeah. Kung Fury has to go back in time to uh, World War II to get Hitler. But he, he time surfs on top of a... Is it a Commodore 64 or something? Like yeah, that he's on top yeah, of? yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, and he's, he surfs too far. He gets the help of this guy called Hacker Man. Yeah. Who takes him back too far, takes him back to like pretty much like fucking dinosaur times. Times of ages, where, where he, like Vikings where, and dinosaurs. Yes, where he hooks up with the Vikings and he hooks up with Thor, and Thor sends him back to fucking 19, World, 19, World War II. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. I mean, like anything. You also need to know that it was all shot, all of it, as far as I know, on green screen. On green screen, yeah. And all some of it's some of it's flawless. Some of it you can see. Yeah. And uh, like the fact that he's beating up the same guy over and over again. They're in one Nazi uniform. Yeah. You can kind of see that a bit. Like some of them blur into each other. It's but not. It's not just the Nazi part. Like even the part. Even the stuff in the uh, poli- in the police precinct. There's he, two guys in the background. He only he only had background. one. He only had one cop uniform. Yeah. So he had to like do that over and over again. So it's um, like it's like three different animated backgrounds put together. Yes. Um. But that adds to the term. The movie is a lot of fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Um, it is incredibly niche. Yeah. If uh, if you do not if you did, if you're not familiar with eighties pop culture, you might. If you were born after nineteen ninety two, you might have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so fuzzy? What's wrong yeah. with all this shit? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's interesting because we forget now that because uh, when we think of uh, oh, there's an evil arcade machine as well. Yes. Yes, which is great. Yeah, an evil robot arcade machine. Yes. Uh, but we tend to think of exploitation as being something that came about in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. But ex- exploitation was still alive and well in, in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I must have seen every single... I think I have seen every single version of... You know Battle Beyond the Stars? Mm-hmm. The, Roger Corman made that, and as a result... Like, he was the king of exploitation. He could make no... Give him no fucking money, and he'd have you a movie by Tuesday. Um, Battle Beyond the Stars, the special effects for that, I think... I'm not sure. I think James Cameron worked on that. The effects for that were reused in like six different movies. There's The Invaders, there's Space Cowboy. Uh, I think Space Cowboy is another name for uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. But there's like six or seven movies they were just reused the footage in. Mm-hmm. And they just shoot some extra bits. So, I mean, I highly recommend checking this movie out. You can watch it on YouTube. You can so get it's it. up for free now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can get it on Netflix. I highly recommend it. And it's the perfect length. If it was an hour and a half, you'd be bored of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, apparently, like, um, uh, he, uh, uh, David Sandberg is working with... Um, uh, Sean Graham Smith, who is the guy who recently dropped out of uh, directing the uh, the Flash. Oh right, yeah. Is that is that his name? I Sean? think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Sean was Graham Smith. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's uh, David Sandberg is working with him now to uh, expand it and to turn it into a full length feature film. Wow. Um, Again, maybe he just goes to other time periods first. And also, David Sandberg has said that this will be entirely new stuff. They are not reusing any of the footage they did for the short. Cool. So it'll probably be uh, a continuation of this story. It's one of the stars of Kickstarter, basically. Yes. It's one of the things where Kickstarter done right, nailed its targets, delivered what yeah. it had, exactly what it promised. Yeah. We, I think we talked about the trailer years ago. Yeah, yeah, we the did. The trailer yeah. was fucking awesome. Yes. Um, and it's very possible you might have seen it, but I only just recently saw it, so I thought I'd share it with you. Cool. Finally, uh, finally, um, this is uh, like every now and then I get fixated on a, on a new anime, and the one that I'm watching right now is called uh, Food Wars with exclamation mark. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese title is uh, Shukugeki no Soma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soma refers to the name of the uh, lead character. 
whose name is uh, Yukihira, uh, Yukihira Soma. Mm. And basically what this is, is that when we, in the first episode, um, and it's fairly recent, like I mentioned before, I think uh, it only started in 2014. I think the second season has only just started airing, if it, if it has at all. Um, and it's basically about this guy, Yukihira Soma, who is... Um, he the, uh, he's the son of uh, Yukihira, who has um, they they got like a the Yukihira Diner in mm-hmm. J- in Japan, and it's like just a straight up diner. Yeah, and he and the dad are always competing to see who's the better cook. Obviously. So in the first episode, you kind of they kind of lay the foundation for that. It's like it's the father son rivalry dynamic. Yeah, and. At the, by the end of the first episode, the father has decided to close the restaurant. He's going to go travel. And he says to the son, I've enrolled you into this school. Uh, I can't remember the name of the school. I, I, uh, but um, it's this very, very, very high-class culinary school where only 10% of the students graduate. Right. And he's basically like saying, it's like, if you can get through this, then maybe you can beat me. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I'm not going to tell you where I am. <laughs> <laughs> he just closes the restaurant. <laughs> and the son's just like, what the fuck? Mandayo! Mandayo! And so the son goes and goes into this school. And the whole series about hi- is, is, is about him and this school just kicking ass. Is it like, um, what's the one with Ramsey? Masterchef? It's not, it, it's not even, this can't hold a candle to Masterchef. <laughs> I mean, the way, like... Only the Japanese can do this. Yeah. Is not just showing you the fucking bullshit ways in which they can come up with food, but the way they show people reacting to the food yeah. gives a whole new meaning to the phrase food porn. Oh, right. Has it got all the kind of anime kind of like, you know, giant sweat beads and all that kind of shit and freaking out faces? Even, even, they, they take it even further <laughs> than that. They take it even further than that. It is full-on porn. <laughs> <laughs> it is full-on fucking porn. And it is so funny. Like, it is really funny. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it right now. I mean, like, if they made a movie out of this and if they kept the montages, like, the the reacting to food montages the same, uh, they got my money. Like, cool. It started off as a manga, uh, as most of them do. Yeah. Uh, And so now, now it's an anime. I highly recommend it. If you like food and if you like, like, gratuitous fucking, like, nudity. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. Let's go gratuitous nudity? When people eat the food. <laughs> what? Like people's, like chick's clothes just like get ripped off and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's orgasmic. Like yeah, in yeah. every sense of the word. You know, and, and, and the Jap- no one can do fucking pleasure moans. Yeah. Like the fucking Japanese. Yeah. You got the, you know, the chick will like, and it's a fucking fried rice. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. she'll eat like this fried rice and be like, <laughs> you know, Don't and the mic. <laughs> she starts like rubbing her legs together. Jesus, like her her tits start moving. Oh. You know, and it goes into this dream sequence where like it's all rice dancing around. Where it's like shit. you know the clothes just get ripped off, and she's just like no. <laughs> but what's his challenge at this place? Is just to be the best chef, is it? Pretty much. Pretty much. It's like. Because there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Because it's always because it's always like very severe with them. It's like you must make the best dish possible. Those who don't make the best dish shall be expelled. Because <laughs> it, it, yeah, there, there's a whole genre of like those kind of like, was the, there's a tennis one right, the basketball one as yeah, well. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that kind of genre, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's just funny as shit. Cool. It's it's really funny. Food wars. Food wars. And you, where, where have you been watching it? Have you been getting Crunchyroll or? Uh, I've just been watching it on YouTube. It's just, all on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all on YouTube. Sweet. Cool, check it out. So, uh, we've reached the end of our show. Um, 
if you would if you like their show please share it with other people that's how other people find out about it mm-hmm. um, also if you could go to iTunes and send, if you listen on iTunes if you leave us a review that would be fantastic because we if the more if we get reviews then we get higher up the charts and more people can find out about it yeah um, we should be our hiatus is over you're not going anywhere for a while no I'll be around yeah I gotta get a new passport because there's a crack in mine so I'll be around for a while okay so we will probably be back with an X-Men Apocalypse review at some point yep and we will talk to you again soon alright thanks for listening bye